0: Welcome to The Other Money Show, where your host and certified financial planner, Ian Weiner, and his expert colleagues help you align your values and your wealth by sharing strategies and insights your old advisors forgot to mention or didn't know so that you won't miss out on the right money moves now. You'll hear case studies that mirror real client scenarios, pitfalls to avoid, and candid conversations about life, wealth, and why proactive planning matters. All right, let's dive headfirst into this episode.
1: Hello and welcome to The Other Money Show. My name is Ian Weiner. I'm your host and I'm joined today by two of my uh, favorite colleagues that I work with. Uh, Mr. Todd Watley is an estate planning attorney and Mr. Joel Hauser is a business partner of mine. He and I do uh, estate planning. He uh, came up in a family office environment, has done high net worth and business planning for a few decades. Um, So I'll let each of these gentlemen introduce themselves and and give a little bit more um, uh, background here. But we're going to be talking about some of the big issues that we find that that are facing clients when it comes to estate planning. And when we're talking about estate planning, what we're really wanting to talk about is anything that you own, any asset that you own, when you pass, it's going to go somewhere. And we want to think through estate planning as the process of deciding where those things go and how they go there. And so that's going to be the focus of our conversation today and how inexpensive it is to make sure you avoid paying estate tax and avoid um, overpaying the IRS when it comes to these issues. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thank you, Ian. Joel, do you mind giving us a a little background first? Just tell us, you can do it better than I can, but tell us a little bit about, (laughs) you know, your career, the kind of work that you do, the families that you serve and, and what that looks like. And then Todd, I want to ask the same to you. Sure. Yeah, my background. Um, you know, I started in the industry.
0: Spent the first decade in this industry, actually in a family office setting. Um, was fortunate enough to uh, be in a family office that was truly a family office. Uh, uh, my dad started the family office, and uh, I, I got the privilege of, of working there with the understanding that uh, this this was not part of his estate. This was not a legacy business, uh, and that he did intend to sell it one day, uh, which he did. Um, I moved on from there. Um, kind of found uh, the estate planning space and business uh, planning space. Uh, and so I've spent the last, gosh, at this point, 18 years uh, in that space working with advisors like yourself, coming alongside uh, those advisors all over the country, really. Um, I spend a, a good deal of time even today, you know, either in a car or in a plane, um, going out to meet with clients specifically uh, of my advisor partners like you Um I'm I'm privileged to be here today. This is a a great group. Um, I'll I'll let Todd introduce himself and give a little background, but uh, uh, I'm excited.
2: Yes, my name is Todd Watley. I am a certified elder law attorney, which means I typically focus with the older client working on long-term care, different things. But part of that is the true estate planning portion of that is making sure people... Have their things go where they want it to go as efficiently as possible. And one thing that you did not mention of the things people miss is and that is probate expense. Probate it's is huge. tremendously expensive. You you will lose between five and ten percent of your estate if you go through probate. And people just think probate's just the thing to do. And it's not. It's you know, you should avoid it. Probate in my mind, someone messed up.
0: And if you've never been through it, it's a painful process. It
2: is horrible. It's court. It's a year long, at least if everything goes great, you just opened up the, the floodgates for fights and it's just a mess. And so I work with my clients to to not go through probate. I don't do probate as an attorney because hopefully none of my clients go through probate. And so we do that and then um, trust and uh, state planning things for tax and medicaid and just all that stuff so yeah that's that's what i do
1: beautiful well i I appreciate it fellas it's always helpful to have a little bit of an introduction to get some context when we're having these types of conversations Um, and one of the things that we'll talk about in a little more detail on another episode is the way that we work with our clients is we work as a team Mm -hmm. and this is for some folks a little bit unusual it should be the, the bare minimum in the way that everyone works. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just not the way that it is. And so what we do is we help our clients to assemble a team of specialists that are A players in their fields um, and that are communicating with one another and are making sure that they're all working together for you, the end client, to make sure you don't miss out on uh, investment opportunities so you don't overpay on taxes. The worst feeling that we deal with with folks is when we tell them about an idea that they could have implemented 20 years ago. And they say, God, what I would give to have known about that sooner. Mm -hmm. So we help you to avoid those issues by building a team of specialists. And Mm -hmm. so Todd and Joel are two specialists that I work with in their respective areas. And when we work together, these are the kind of professionals that you have access to. What, what happens typically for folks is they over time as they're you know either growing through, you know, um, just growing in their career or growing a business, they accumulate advisors over time. And these are, you know, investment advisors, attorneys, um, bankers, uh, tax professionals, you know, real estate people, mortgage lenders. And what ends up happening is. They're they're either someone that was referred to you by someone else, or you just kind of found them because they play golf with your. And that may be fine. They may be good. They may be good partners, mm-hmm. but. It's very rare for us to see that they they work together and communicate together. Correct. Is that something that that you guys see as well? I'm just curious your perspective. Yeah, I
0: always ask clients when we when we first engage with a client, when, when was the last time all of your advisors were in a meeting together on your behalf? Um, and and it's almost never. And that's somewhat indicative of just the industry and the field. Advisors are, are protective of their clients. Um, they either they know what they know and and they don't know what they don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So they don't uh, they don't branch out or they don't want to to be exposed or, or look like a fool, but uh, the communication between your advisors, is got to be one of the most important things as, oh, yeah. as far as, you know, keeping your estate in line and your
1: assets in line, especially if you are a business owner. That's a big piece that we're going to, we're going to talk about today. Todd, how often do you see where someone comes to you and you ever
2: communicate with their advisor? I mean, I, probably in 25 years, I can count it on one hand.
1: Yeah. And what's so crazy about that to me is that if, if the client was designing their experience of what it was is like to manage their assets, you know, they would probably say, I want my, my professionals to communicate and talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it just, it doesn't happen. And so we've kind of re-engineered it and go, why don't we just start there? Why don't we start with building the team? And then from there we'll implement all the tools and solutions together, Mm -hmm. you know, and the families that we work with, the businesses that we work with, they're outsourcing these, these things to us. Because they understand their most valuable asset is their time, mm-hmm. and you don't have time to be an expert in tax, and legal, and in investments, and in real estate, and mortgage. And if you want to, that's you know that's another thing. But most of the people that we talk to, they don't want to become experts in all that. Mm-hmm. They want to enjoy their life and make the the wealth that they've worked hard for work for them. And so that's why we have the approach that we that we take now. Today, I want to talk about a uh, an issue that I think is really pressing for a lot of people that folks either don't understand or don't know about at all. And this is part of the estate planning process, but I want to talk about estate taxes and how this happens. I want to build just in in a couple minutes here, I want to build the problem. And then I want to talk about how as a team, we end up solving these problems for our clients. Um, And so if you're not familiar with the concept of estate taxes, sometimes it's called an inheritance tax, sometimes it's called a death tax, okay? And the way that the way that it works in the US is that there is an exclusion amount. Right now, at the time of this recording, it's almost $13 million per person. That's the amount that you can pass with to someone other than your spouse without paying estate tax on it. Now, above that exclusion amount, you pay $40 percent, 40%. So if you had a million dollars that was above the exclusion amount, you would pay, your heirs would pay $400,000. They have essentially nine months to come up with the money and pay it. Now, what we're going to start talking about is the fact that that almost $13 million exclusion amount now is going to go down. The question is, how much is it going to go down? So from a legislative perspective, it's pretty, it's, pretty straightforward to see that, uh, Washington right now is spending aggressively as, as they do. And, uh, they're looking for ways to close that gap of how much they're spending and how they pay for it. At the time of this recording, we've added $2 trillion in four months.
0: Yeah. It's crazy.
1: It's, it's outrageous.
0: I think another side note on that, you know, you, you threw the 40% number out there, which, you know, $400,000 $400,000 of, of your million dollars, that's a lot of money. But historically speaking, that 40% is is fairly low right now. It is low. And, uh, you know, it's just like having credit cards. The government has no uh, intention of slowing down the spending. So we, we have to ramp up how we're going to pay it back. So, I mean, not only is that exclusion rate set to go down in 2026, I think we very likely will see that tax rate go
1: up on on estates is as recently as the early 2000s it was fifty five percent and that's not that long ago
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah so this is an area where folks and their advisors I think have have glossed over it because the exclusion amount is high but what we're telling you is number one it's may not be that high for very long and number two if we're proactive we can act now and actually use that to our to our benefit mm-hmm. um, and so when we start to, and that's that's really the smallest part of taxes. If we're passing IRAs, those are also taxable. There's legislation that is looking at uh, limiting the step up in basis on assets. So if you're to pass a, um, a piece of real estate, pass a farm, pass a, a business, even even stock to um, you know to to heirs right now, people expect to be able to get a step up in basis. It's as if the, the heirs bought the asset that day. There's no capital gains tax. There's legislation that they're looking at dropping that uh, to a pretty low threshold, about a million dollars. So anything above that million dollars, if you bought it and hold it and held it for a period of time, you've got to pay capital gains tax. Then you have to pay estate tax. So capital gains tax right now is also at record low levels. The, the top end is 23.8%. So imagine, you know, you just had a million bucks, there's no step up in basis, and we've got a that's above the, the threshold, we've got to pay capital gains tax first, so that's $238,000, then we've got to pay another best case scenario, 40%, another $400,000, $638,000, which is due in nine months, and that's if you don't have to go through probate. So we, if we're not careful, we can watch an estate evaporate in less than a year sure. and this is going to happen to folks if they're not proactive i mean mm-hmm. todd is am, am i am i overstating it when i say that folks don't really think about this and don't don't prepare for this they don't
2: not at all i mean it's <clears throat> they're just like well you know i own my farm i own my business and i know when i die it will, will go to the kids okay <laughs> but how is it going to do that you know there there are steps there and you know one thing that amazes me is people will do a last will and testament and it it seems it is a legal document and it says the farm goes to the kids the money goes to the kids and so therefore that just happens it just magically when you die it just goes to the kids and
0: yeah, I don't think people understand that a will is is simply your wishes for the probate judge of what you would like to happen. Yeah. Do does judge. not does not mean that that's what the judge has to do or that that's what has to happen. Are um, that
2: yeah, are that it just automatically happens. It has to go through court to do that. And so a last will and testament is It's okay, but it's not the desired tool, particularly if you're trying to avoid probate and avoid taxes. And people, I spend so much time and money educating people. Please understand that you don't want to go through probate and there are things we can do to avoid these taxes. And generally, taxes have not been a concern of mine just because my clients typically aren't over $26 million. But that's about to change. And so if you're even... I would say if you're less than 60 and you have probably one or two million dollars, you need to be concerned about it.
1: And this is your total estate, is what we're talking about. Total. So we need. Includes life insurance. This includes life insurance. Surprises people. This includes, you know, the home that you own and where we are, where, you know, where our local practice is. We, you know, um, when we do consulting, Joel and I, we work nationwide. um, But from an estate planning perspective and where we work locally in Northwest Arkansas, real estate has. been in a boom Mm -hmm. and it's likely to continue to be. And so it's not unreasonable for someone to have bought a house for $200,000, 10, 20 years ago, and it's now worth one, one and a half. We see it all the time. You're talking about your retirement assets, other assets that you have, brokerage accounts, um, life insurance. This all goes into the total estate and we can get to that $5 million number. If, If everything goes well in 2026, we're talking about going down from 13 million to five. That's quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've got $2 million right now in 10 years, it's likely that you're closer to you know, five, six million dollars. Mm-hmm. This is a problem that happens quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's
0: the frustrating part is it's such a simple fix with with a few different uh, legal documents and a few uh, different titling uh, options that none of these things have to happen. You don't have to go through probate. You don't have to, um, you know, go through that process. And I, I think a lot of, uh, even younger folks that, you know, they're in their, their haymaking years of, of going to work and you got mm-hmm. two income families, they're not looking forward to, okay, I, I know what I have now. I don't have an estate problem now. Well, but are you going to, and and you can plan for it now and really get some of that stuff outside of your estate today before it grows to what it's going to grow to, um, and, and there are methods and ways to do that, and, and, and I'm sure Todd can help with that. But it, it it also frustrates me if you have children, especially if you have minor children,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you need a trust.
2: Sure. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and that wasn't the estate planning attorney telling you that you know? <laughs> right. I mean, I've mean, i had times where, you know, Todd and I are working with, um, with an individual and they think that they need a trust and he will tell them, no, you don't need a trust. That's like going to your barber and going, hey, do I need a haircut? And he goes, no, no, it looks pretty good. Okay. <laughs> you know? I mean, so this is just the qual. This is one, one example of why it matters to have A players on your team and why it also matters to have professionals that work closely together but don't work for each other. Because what we see sometimes when everything's all under, this, under the same roof, yeah. you know, of course the accountant is going to say, yeah, this is a good move for you. Because who pays their paycheck? The guy who's telling the accountant to say that it's a good move for you, and so this is why we we work together, but we also work independently. And I think this is this is so important to have your advisors understand that. So mm-hmm. estate planning is not just for folks who are who, who know that they're higher net worth, and it's not for folks who um, think that they're going to have an estate problem. It's for everybody.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah and I think uh, oftentimes you know. There's a life insurance solution that's there. Life insurance is a dirty little word. No one wants mm-hmm. to talk about it. Um, but from a liquidity aspect and even from an estate equalization aspect, there's, you know, if there's a business within the family, if there's a farm within the family, uh, where does that go? What are your wishes for mm-hmm. that particular item? And then how do we structure it so that? All of the kids are happy. The ones that are involved in it and the ones that aren't involved in it, so that we don't have family infighting. Um, you know, we we've seen that uh, to the utmost levels. And and That's I've had so the privilege common. of of working with uh, a lot of uh, ultra high net worth families. And you would think that you would come in and everything would be in order. That they would have the best advisors. We're talking about not like a couple million dollars, like a couple billion dollars. A couple billion dollars. Yeah, absolutely. And and they have been so focused on growing their company. You know, their time, as you mm-hmm. mentioned in the beginning, is, is so little that, that they have not done these simple housekeeping items. And they all have advisors, but they have advisors that, that are siloed and do their one thing and, and are not looking at their entire picture. So it's, it's so important to, to have a team uh, uh, there that, that can kind of keep the communication between all of the advisors going at the same time. And solve the
1: problems together.
2: Yeah, that's the unique thing is, and I'm excited about this prospect of us working together, because in my 25 years, yeah, when a financial advisor does come, I mean, they know nothing about what I do. They're strictly financial, and I know a little bit, and when I mention something, it typically rubs them the wrong way because of their focus on keeping those assets in-house and doing things. and. They don't understand when I say, "Look, we really need to cash in the IRA." They're like, "Oh my God, you're you're a <laughs> lunatic! What do you what are you talking?" And so it never has gone well, and I've just never focused on bringing the financial person in because they have no idea what I'm doing. I know very little about what they're doing, and it's two people sitting in the room with. I like your term being siloed. It's like we're looking at things totally differently and bringing a team in who you know what I do and I'm I'm now learning what you do. We can really solve a problem. You're not offended when I recommend something and I'm not recommended. You know, I'm not offended. It's it's just a team effort. to Here's how we can solve your problem. And that is not the way that it's been done pretty much across the country. This is a fairly new concept, I think,
1: and it just—it's not that hard, really. Mm-hmm. And whose best interest is this in? The clients. It's so obvious. Mm-hmm. Like they, they get it intuitively. Yeah. We just got to tell them that they—that they can. I no, I, I love it. I think it's a I think it's a, a wise thing that we're we're working on. Um, I want to talk through a scenario. Because I think this is, and I want to kind of make it up a little bit, but I also want to talk through okay, how would we handle this? Let's say there's a family who um, they've had a farm and a business in the family, maybe for a generation or two. And it's gotten to the point where there is an estate tax problem, and maybe they've got a couple kids, you know, and we've got to figure out okay, how are we going to pass that without taxes? And how are we going to, how are we going to equal it out? Because typically, you know, if you get a couple kids, not all of them are always involved in the business or, or the farm. Joel, what do you think, you know, if you're designing it, you say I can do whatever I want. How would you handle that situation?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. And it's one that we, in the Midwest, at least we see quite often, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and we look at it from the aspect of typically we will, we will separate farm operations and land um, and we will set them into separate corporations and separate holdings. Um, and, and then if, if it's possible, we'll set up a, an irrevocable life insurance trust. Um, we do that for liquidity's sake. Um, it's not even a matter of just the state equalization. You know, if, I, if I've got a family farm and I've got three kids, it, it's likely possible that that family farm isn't Able to support three separate families, and I mean, yeah. and you can imagine how through each generation that goes down. Um, so usually, what what we do is we, we have that islet that's set up. Um, we've got some some life insurance put into that islet. So we've got some cash set aside for you know an agreed upon amount for the siblings that aren't in the business, um, or, or that you know are in the business but aren't in the farm. Uh, and we we set taxes. those up. taxes. Yeah. Um, You know, we we talk about completely avoiding taxes all the time. It may not be the best interest to completely avoid taxes. The question is, where's the money going to come from for that taxes? Um, And again, as much as life insurance is a dirty little word, it's pennies on the dollar, you know, from a leverage aspect. What we're paying is we're paying premiums rather than
1: coming up with all the money for the taxes. Because let's say the family has to sell a piece of that business. Let's say they don't do that. When the when the the patriarch or the matriarch passes, we've got to pay taxes somehow. What are we selling? Yeah, absolutely. I, I and we are, are we going to get a best valuation for that?
0: Absolutely not. We had a uh, we had a recent family. Um, the 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 patriarch came down uh, had Alzheimer's. Um, and, you know, he he ran the family farm. Had one son that uh, was in the in the business. Um, mom, you know, stayed kept dad home as long as possible, taking care of dad, um, which oddly eventually wore mom out faster than, than it wore dad out. Um, you know, from an Alzheimer's standpoint, it's, it's really hard for the people around that person. Um, for dad, dad was pretty much the happiest guy in the room. He didn't have anything to worry, worry about anymore. Uh, but you know, it wore mom out and she actually ended up passing away before dad. Um, and we were lucky enough in, in that scenario that they had done some planning back in their forties. Um, and that planning uh, had allowed them to have some liquidity um, and be able to keep the farm in the family. Um, That particular farm, um, the kids would be the fifth generation uh, on that family farm. So it had been in the family for an extremely long time with the, you know, just assumption that it would just pass from generation to generation like it always had. But, uh, you know, tax laws change and and rules change and, and you've got to get some planning in place to do that.
1: So Todd, how common is this to see? I mean, is this mm-hmm. yeah, this is this is as cut and dry as it gets? Sure. Like we're not. We're not even really being creative here. No. When we're talking about this solution, it I've just has this, to be done.
2: Yeah, it just has to be done. Just be proactive, and you know, like you talk about other kids. Even with just one kid, if you want this farm, this two, three, four, five million dollar farm to go to this kid, and there's not much money. Typically, there isn't. Mm-hmm. There aren't many investments or anything. The solution is life insurance, you know, have life insurance simply to just pay the government so that we can pass this farm Mm -hmm. in whole to the, to the next generation. And one of
1: the big challenges, and I'll say, it, and you tell me if I'm, if I'm saying this right, when that kind of thing happens, so you can have a family that you're, you're advising from an estate planning perspective and say, Hey, we need to have life insurance set aside to be able to handle this and create liquidity. Mm -hmm. But if that family doesn't have a team of professionals that's working together, they're kind of on their own to try to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Do they tend to find the most cost effective or most efficient life insurance? No. They tend to find the most expensive, <laughs> you know, yeah. with yeah. the I'm not gonna, you know, pick XYZ Mutual, but it's sure. what it's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And so while that is the that is the legitimate use case for it, is it is it implemented in an optimal way? Yeah. Typically, not. Typically and, not. And and Todd, how often are you actually involved
0: in that process? How how often do you Get right. To stay along with the client, so I, I mean, it it just makes sense to me that the attorney that sets up your estate plan would be involved in implementing the pieces of the estate plan to to make sure that it works and and it just that's a rarity sure that it just right. doesn't happen.
2: It just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And in, in this case, if that if there was no planning done, they would have been selling uh, either implements or, or or property. I mean, they're, yep. they're, there's nowhere else to go. Like you and said, the kids are probably agreeing on everything, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the non-farm kid, sell it, just sell it. Yeah, you no, know, the, the farm kid, this, th- this it's is their my life. livelihood. Yeah, that's yeah, what no, they, want it. It's what they want,
1: and it's and it's what it's what you want. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we we just scratched the surface on this today, Absolutely. gentlemen. I appreciate you coming on here, but I want to begin to raise these questions for folks so they can think about them and begin to go, okay, what do I want to have happen when I transition assets? Yeah. And we're not talking about the asset value now. It's in 20, 30 years when you pass. Everybody has an estate plan. It's just whether they got any input in it. <laughs> yes. You could be on the government's plan or you can create your own. Yeah. The government's plan is always more expensive. Yep. 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 Beautiful. Well, we will see you guys next time.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Other Money Show. Are you ready to take an intentional approach to your financial life? click the button below to schedule your bespoke wealth planning session today. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Other Money Show.